What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This episode of Bushwick Breakaway is brought to you by you. Thank you so much for supporting and listening to podcasts during these times. And I uh, hope you guys are doing all well out there. We have a great show today, honestly. Uh, Greg and I cover uh, a little bit of our Tammy Panera. And then we have a Josh from Evolving Wild. He comes in to talk about uh, the contract predictions for Tony and Strom. Um, and also a little bit of Capacaco season and uh, Adam Fox and or Tammy's heart contention. Uh, a lot of actual good Ranger talk. So I hope you guys enjoy uh, on uh, this week without sports continues. All right. So uh, here we go. Hi everybody, it's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Hey, Bushwick Breakaway fans, welcome to Blue Shirts Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead, and I'm The Athletic, and I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan, also of The Athletic and of also stir-crazy fame, Gregory, say hello. Yeah, I'm, I'm at a point now, I was talking to my roommate about this. Uh, my, our buddy Aaron, but the world only knows him as my roommate. I'm just finding myself angry all the time. Now, okay. And not even about Explain to anything. me how this is different from pre-epidemic, Greg. Usually there's a reason for the anger. And it usually involves something the Mets had just done the night right. before or hours leading up to the ballgame. Something Wilpon related, but now it's just like I just find myself so annoyed all the time by literally everything. Everything. I've just gone into what would be called um, a sad state of affairs, where the last couple of days I've just been super down. Like, man, I didn't really leave the house this weekend. Surprise, nobody did. Um, yeah, but well, there's nowhere to go. Like, yeah. So, can't go anywhere. Uh, it was it was my birthday this weekend. Okay, happy shout birthday, out to everyone Greg. who wished me a happy birthday, including you. Thank you. Uh, and like my grandma called me, sweetest old ninety five year old Jewish lady, gives me a call and asks me, "So, what are you going to do for your birthday?" And I was like, "Grandma, there's nothing I can do for my birthday. Like, this if I want, where can I go? Even if I wanted to go somewhere, the grocery store. That's literally all that's open. Yeah, I can't go out. You can't go to a restaurant." Can't go to a bar, can't go to a sporting event, can't go to the casino, can't go to a movie, can't even walk around the mall and just like 
look at things. Can't go to a pet store to make yourself feel terrible about the dogs that live at the pet store. <laughs> yeah, no, you like, can't do that. Literally can't go anywhere. So I I to be fair, I did everything I probably would have done on my birthday. Actually, that's a lie. My birthday this year should have been moving day at the Masters and the Met game. So it's a little bit of a bummer that I wasn't able to do those things at a bar. Uh, and then the double whammy, Ryan, thing I learned yesterday. Mm -hmm. Did you know New York State doesn't allow you to place bets on horses on Easter Sunday? Now, what year was that law passed? Just out of sheer curiosity. It <laughs> had to be recent because it's on the app, right? right. So like the Naira betting app that allows me to bet on horse races that take place in other parts of the countries. On the app, they're like, yeah, you can't come on the this app. This feels like it's literally just targeted towards you because other people are busy celebrating Easter, but they just don't know that you don't do that. <laughs> I can't be the only Jew that bets <laughs> on horses, though. There have to be more of me. And Over, under, so part of it, 15, 20? It, it, got, it got, right, it got so bad that it got to a point where I was just blaming myself. It, I realized it happened, and then about 11 o'clock the next morning, I'm so sad that I can't even bet on horse racing that I go, well, idiot, you should have looked this up. You could have placed your bets yesterday. Blah, blah, blah. You still could have watched the races. Like it got to a point where I wasn't angry at the state anymore. I was just angry at myself for thinking for a moment that New York State wouldn't have some weird rule on the book that says I can't bet on horses on Easter Sunday. It's very it just, strange. It, I mean, it's, it's good. It, we're, we're getting, we're getting. Honestly, it was the one thing you wanted for your times. birthday and the state denied it from you. And and come on, New York, you've done a lot of good recently. Yeah, um, but that's sad. something something to just get Gregory. Sad. You know, come on, it's just his birthday. Let I just, do it. I just, it was, it was, it not the worst birthday weekend of my life though. Mostly no, that because... was when that cake got thrown away. I believe. No, no, uh, that one was funny. That one wasn't my worst birthday either. Uh, I think this one wasn't bad because as soon as we all this lockdown happened, I just knew. This was going to last through my birthday. So you, you get to a point where it. it's acceptance. Yeah. My worst birthday is still, man, I must have been, I was young, probably young. either like eighth grade or freshman year of high school. It was whatever year Mike Weir won the Masters. I know that because it, my birthday once again fell on an Easter Sunday, Ryan, and all my friends couldn't do anything because it was Easter Sunday. It was during Passover. So all my Jewish friends couldn't do anything. Because Solitary Gregory. Over. So you've been trained for this moment your whole life. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I I watched the final round of the Masters with my dad as he fell asleep, right? In Connecticut. Yeah, and it was, but it wasn't even a good Masters. Like the Mike Weir Masters is historically boring, and Mike Weir is historically. Boring. I don't even know who that is. So, That's how how boring exactly. he is. Left left-handed golfer from Canada, right? Hey, shout out to Canada. Um, I'm gonna look up what year he won. I definitely am going a little stir crazy on my side. Didn't leave the house. Just felt overly tired for no absolute reason. It's like, wow, I didn't exert myself at all. And yet, this is the most tired I've been in three months. Um, I spent some time, though, looking up some Ranger information. Uh, and let's play a little game called um, JD's Q&A. So I, I, I... 2003, Mike yeah. Weir won the Masters. You were very so close turned, to the answer of what I was about to ask you, too. So that's pretty... That, I turned... That was my 14th birthday. I'll yeah, that's nine. a bad birthday. Bad birthday. The year after my bar mitzvah, real, real downer that year. Honestly, yeah, you, you were. It was all downhill from the from your bar mitzvah anyway, but that's hey the man. worst way to come down. That's that's the day you become a man and you start having to deal with real life issues. That's my at point. the ripe age of thirteen. So I, uh, I I watched the entire JD presser, 
And I have to give some credit to MSG because they have been doing, since they saw us do a podcast, they've been um, thinking, wow, it would be cool to do Q&As with people. Um, but the New York Rangers YouTube account, you would say that it has a large following and they are a massive brand. They're worth over $1 billion. That's correct, right, Gregory? Their, their YouTube account? I mean, even if they are, yes, their YouTube account is not very popular. It exists. It's the official New York Rangers uh, YouTube account. And it had their Buddy, video. I didn't even know they had a YouTube account. Yes, they do. Um, they have some things on there, and not not too much. You think they would do a better job with it? That's just me. I guess we're just I'm just slandering MSG at this point. But they John, mm. John Davison did a Q and A for 20 minutes. Um, and would you say John Davison is in our top five people we'd want as a guest on this show? He's high up there. He's he's at least top ten. Okay, if he's not if he's I, not top I, five, no, he's top I, 10. I I would I was I would have said top three. Can you name? Henrik Lundqvist. Lundqvist is one. Yes. Well, Mark's on the podcast every week. Right. Mark. Mark comes to Hank. Yeah. I would like Hank. Greg... Hank is Hank is one. I Davidson might be two. Yeah. Gordon's up there. Graves is up I, there. I see. Too. That's the thing. I. I. Yes. I would like the David. I. I think Quinn would be better than Gordon. I don't think Gordon would say a single interesting thing. Yeah. I think that dude is trained to be as general manager speak 24 7 as possible davidson does a good job of saying pretty much nothing while saying so much and making you feel like he's literally flirting with you yeah um, he's he's like he's like your charming grandpa so the uh, I, yes um i, I don't know well, not not yours you don't have <laughs> people that people that can relate to that will people who can relate to family members my dad's in great yeah. shape right now by the way um yeah, i'm sure how house is uh non-existent like does he still itch where it used to be back in the hospital um so uh anyway that was breaking hippo laws i think <laughs> uh well, nobody so, knows his name that's true yeah i can't figure out his last name uh now <laughs> 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 really hard to figure that one out right so uh, like like we were saying top three is probably yeah, yes. henrick davidson and john franco absolutely so good god for john franco of course. actually john franco legitimately isn't a top three because i would kill to tell him that story to his face so davidson yeah. davidson did a q a q a uh, sure. For the for the YouTube, how many views do you think it has on YouTube's? Like as of today, as of today, it was posted on April 9th, which and we were recording on seven forty p.m. on on Monday the thirteenth of April. Seven hundred and forty three. Very close. One thousand and sixty five. I'm me being yeah. two of them, and I just feel like that that man John Davidson is crazy in demand. A person we would do a lot to interview he answers some decent questions i mean there, there's no like hard hitters not not really surprised it's catered by msg he talks about um you know the future captain and if he was going to name it and pretty much he says no because he take, that process takes a long time and he went through that in columbus he yeah, talks about that, that process takes a long time aka mark Saul needs to not be on this team anymore and then they'll name a captain. that's pretty much Got it. that's pretty much what he said like he yeah. was like you know he's like mika panarin Kreider, yeah. mark they're, Stahl. they're waiting <laughs> we they're like, waiting uh, for mark Stahl to not be a ranger anymore and then they'll name a captain i don't i like i i do think part of it is hank hank and Stahl are the leaders of this locker room so they those guys can't be rangers anymore because it would be disingenuous to put the c on someone else I think they've learned from – I don't think it was a mistake to put the C on McDonough. I'll never say that. But I think they realize that this time around they're going to be as patient and prudent as possible. That's exactly it. And he also talked about you know scouting for the draft and how important it was because they have so many picks and how the draft is the blood, the blood and the lifeblood of, the, uh, of, the, of your organization and how that they have no idea. And in summary, all these interviews I've listened to um, 
at least from a lot of the Q&As. I think Mika's was fun. He talked about Chris Kreider's piano playing ability and some other things, which we'll get to Chris Kreider at some point. I think we should have a Chris Kreider segment every week where we name something that Chris Kreider's probably good at. Um, but Mika, you know, Mika did a good job at that. But at the end of the day, and to steal a Greg phrase there, no one knows nope. anything and no one knows how to handle any situation. So they're all just talking out of their ass, just like Davidson. Uh, the only thing I learned from that interview of watching all 20 minutes, other than incredible, how incredibly charming he is and how soothing it is to listen to his voice is the fact that they might name a captain next year. Other than that, it was like absolutely nothing burger. I was hoping the Quinn, the Quinn Q and a would be out today, uh, but it was not by the time we recorded, they said it would be out today, but I have no idea. I might be one of the only thousand people that want, are looking to go for it. And um, you know what? I want to just thank everyone that's listening right now because Gregory, have you listened to a podcast in the past three weeks? I have actually, I've, I've been crushing through You're crushing podcasts. Them? Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I, I won't lie. I went through about a two and a half week period where I, I just stopped listening to everything. I'm I don't know there. if that was just like some catharsis where I just needed to, if I was going to disconnect from everything and have to work from home, I wanted to disconnect from everything and work from home, but I've been, I've upped it. I probably listened to six podcasts just yesterday alone. Wow. Just doing shit around my room. I've been doing a lot of the, the ringers been doing these redraftable podcasts with, I'm not even an NBA guy, but I find redrafting NBA classes fascinating. Um, I did listen to the one um, recently where the Gasol draft was Zach Lowe. Um, that was, I haven't, I, I did listen to that one. Uh, and I'm before we started podcasting, I was actually listening to the, 1999 episode and i listened to what was the draft i listened to yesterday that blew my mind it was the year kwame went number one yes. i think that was oh one that was the rosillo one right i also listened yeah to and the the nugget they dropped of how in that entire draft class there were three all-star seasons appearances not three all-star not yeah a, yes. three all-star appearances from that entire draft not and again let me let me be crystal clear by saying this it's not even three all-star players no that entire draft class was responsible for three all-star appearances that totaled 61 minutes and was responsible for just one third, third team, all NBA. And it was Michael red. That's insane. It was a hilariously bad draft class. I do like how I I said, I haven't been listening to podcasts and you said you listened to podcasts and you named two and I had listened to them. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, I mean, I'll, I'll go with, I, I did listen to a lot of, I caught up, I've been trying to catch up on men in blazers who have been putting out some very funny stuff recently. Been listening to the rewatchables again. Like I crushed enemy of the state this weekend. I crushed total recall. Um, I I've, I've done a better job the last week of getting back on the podcast game, but between when I got off my plane and quarantine started and this past weekend, I dude, I I stopped listening to everything. I'm excited to get back on it, and I, that's why I wanted to take a second to just tell everyone I appreciate them listening because I've just I'm a podcast fanatic. I like would listen to three or four a day pretty much, and I feel like I have done maybe four or five in the past three weeks, and it's it's really just so weird. It, apparently, it's just the redraftable podcast. Yeah, I guess so. I why well, I'm just a, a Simmons and Low and Rasilla fanboy, so that's what it comes well, for down my, to. For my fellow for my fellow Met fans out there, if you want to. If you want one that's a little bit more cathartic, but also has a really good interview on it as well, I think last week on a podcast called Against All Odds with Cousin Sal, hey. they did they did a rewatch of Game One of the 2000 World Series Mets Yankees, and then they brought on Al Leiter to talk about the game. Oh, and really? Started 
Leiter started game one for the Mets, and he was a fascinating. That's why I interview. said, oh, really? Because I, I, I did know that fact, actually. That's fun. Yeah. I'm really looking yeah, it forward was, to it. It was good. I, dude, I also completely forgot about that game, and now I have, like, night tremors thinking about Timo Perez not hustling from first base on what should have been an RBI double by Todd Zeal. It's a great time to be a Met fan. You know, every day. Every day is a great time to be a Met fan. Um, it's, it's, it's truly amazing. Uh, the thing is, uh, one thing I'm really excited about is for us to do the rewatchable for 1994. I know that's something we're going to work on, but it'll be 14 episodes at least for us. Um, DVDs so, should be here for me on Wednesday. So, so maybe we'll start that sometime in late May. Um, that'll bring us all the way till next October and hopefully we'll have hockey back then. And then <laughs> we'll, we'll, are we going to give people a sneak peek of what we're doing? Is this week's BSBOT going to be us trying to think of what every player on the roster is doing during quarantine? That's correct. Yes. Got it. Got it. Yeah. So I have, um, uh, I don't know if you read some of the Artemi, um, quotes from the interview from the post this week or not. Um, see, that's one thing I, I keep listening to podcasts, dude. I haven't read a single piece of hockey reporting since about a week after the lockdown. Dude, you haven't missed much. It's <laughs> I know, but it's like, not like I, the only thing I, the only thing I think I've read and this is terrible because, again, we should just be promoting the athletic at all times. Right. The only thing I read was the numbers for both the Rangers by Carp and the NYC numbers that you and I basically did the podcast about. There's a couple of athletic uh, articles that I get push notifications on that I find incredibly interesting that I go go and read. I mean, the athletic is still free for 90 days. So, guys, go ahead. Um, I think I've been wanting to read. The, the writers have been doing their favorite players mm-hmm. recently. And I've wanted to read those because some of them, some of them are out of left. Like, I think our friend Kevin Kurz actually had like former Met as his favorite player growing up, like Howard Johnson, maybe. And I just, I can't, I just haven't, I don't know. I think it's because there's a difference between reading an article at work on a work computer to avoid doing work and (laughs) reading an article on your home computer while you're also trying to work. And it's just not the same. Like when I'm at work, I try to find two articles a day to read because I need something to like switch my brain off from the shit that I'm doing on a daily basis. But now that I'm home, it just feels like more work. There's no separation of work and avoiding work in my own house. I'll give, I'll give everyone a little plug. How about this? The article you should probably read this week and I haven't read it yet either. So that's really great promotion by me, but I plan to read it tonight is my favorite player, Sean Avery by Sarah Sivian. There you go. Yeah. I can't think of a player more apropos of a writer. (laughs) Yeah, Sarah, Sarah carries herself with, and I mean this absolutely with the utmost respect and admiration. I, if, if, Sarah, if I had to play a sport against Sarah Sivian, I would expect her to play like Sean Avery plays hockey. Absolutely. Um, I think we're going to save the idea I have for this podcast this way. Uh, for, I want to kind of get Woj on for this one, the, the free ideas, so we'll save that one. I think that would be a fun segment for the three of us just to dick around with. Um, I mean, the good news is I don't have any. I like... Yep. My brain is fried. Bro, I'm right there with you. But I'm just going to keep talking about this Artemi thing, and we'll go from there. So Artemi did like what was uh, FaceTime with the Post and kind of did an interview with them. Pretty much said uh, he doesn't know either. We'll, we'll get, we'll, once this is over, hockey will be back. Really brilliant stuff by Artemi there. They did call him the brilliant winger, I think, twice in that article, which was which was nice. Really complimentary of that him. Sound, yeah, that sounds like a Brooks thing to do. Yeah, the brilliant winger. Um or Timmy's awesome. I I love the guy. I, he is living with um supposedly Sergey Brovovsky right now in Florida. 
Um, they're sharing. That doesn't surprise. That doesn't, doesn't surprise. Doesn't me. surprise me either. They have like the bromance of all bromances. Um, and he mentioned that it would be unfair if the Rangers, if there was a playoff, the Rangers were left off. Um, I don't think there's going to be a playoffs, but I happen to agree with him. It would be unfair. There, there's nothing, and I, I, this is what I don't like about this situation the most, Gregory, is that mm. every single week, I feel like even when, because you and I do this podcast every fucking Monday, no matter what sure happens, and no matter yep. what, and we've gone through, you know, there's some dark, not, not actually, it's dark now, but there are some like dull. Really boring and no newsworthy things. August we've had because this is going to be our yeah third, well, our fifth August yeah because hockey hockey the hockey world we always talk about oh what are we going to talk about in the summertime it's pretty easy between the end of the season leading up to the draft because you can talk about you can we we usually do prospect deep dives and we can talk about what we think the Rangers should do or how they should handle free agency and then free agency day happens and we have a crazy week trying to wrap our minds around free agency, but NHL free agency effectively ends like July 15th. Everyone important who needs to be signed is signed. Do you remember what Sam Chris signed in 20 minutes? (laughs) It's like the whole thing happened in 20 minutes. It was incredible. Yeah. It's, it's, it's bad. So you, you go from about mid July until training camp starts in September where you're given a lot of baseball talk from us. And that's really the only thing keeping us going. It's, it's true. There's a lot of baseball talk, but there's a lot of like other nonsense. And like, there's still these hockey beats where we could be like, Oh, what about this line? Or like, Oh, we heard this rumor or there's something that come up. Every piece of news that drops now is just simply. Yeah. Uh, we have no idea. (laughs) Like no one knows anything. The news making the rounds today was drew Doughty was really the first notable player to say he, he can't see a scenario where the game where hockey resumes. You just can't see one. Yeah. Well, how could he? Like, I just read an article that was like, concerts are probably not going to be around till 2021. The fall. Fall 2021. Yeah. Not even even like January 2021. We're talking about September 2021. And it's, again, we don't mean to be downers when we talk about it. No, I'm not trying to bum anybody out at all. It's just trying to be real. There's no biodome situation where you're going to get these players with families that will want to it you it's hard enough to get players to uproot their lives to play for a team that's paying them millions of dollars in a state they want to be in yeah now you're going to ask these guys there's plenty of people that just like refuse to play for franchises that are in the middle of nowhere and then go to play for the coast teams that happens in every goddamn sport and now you want them to relocate to the little absolute bubble fuck that's not happening No, but it, it's it's not just that. You know, sometimes I, I do think fans, we're awfully guilty of it from time to time, but fans often think that these millionaire athletes should just go do something and that they don't have, they think their personal life is the sport, basically. It's just not the case. Like, if you're Garrett Cole, I don't care how many millions of dollars you're getting paid. Your wife is pregnant. And if you have to decide between seeing the birth of your first child and pitching for the Yankees in Arizona, and those are the only two options you have, my guy, don't get angry if he decides that seeing the birth of his first child might be more important than playing baseball. So it's it's like one of those things where if the season was going on normally, what does Garrett Cole do? He misses a week. He misses a start or two on paternity leave to be there for the birth of his child. But there, if he goes off to Arizona to self-isolate to play baseball for a season, there's no going back from that until it's safe. He wanted, we wouldn't know 
he wouldn't know when he gets to see his family again. Yeah. How fucked up of a decision is that? Crazy. And it, that every sport has to make that decision. Do you think, like, the guys who the young guys who are single, it's probably not that big of a deal for them, right? Like, it's probably going back to feeling like you're back in college. But imagine you're Jacob Truba, dude, and you literally moved to New York to allow your fiance to pursue her dream and be there for her as she does it. Do you think Jacob Truba all of a sudden wants to be like, hey, babe, thanks for situating all – thanks for hanging in there all those years I was in Winnipeg. Now that I finally got us into a place that could make us both happy in our relationship and in our professions, I got to go to North Dakota for an undetermined amount of time. So good luck. Miserable. Like, why would Jacob Trubo, why would any human being who is in a serious relationship or just, hell, who is close with their family wants to do that? I don't know. This shit shouldn't come back until we're in a point where we're not asking athletes to choose work or family. That's a fucked up decision. It is shouldn't be made, shouldn't be asking people to do that. Absolutely is, and I'm I'm just curious as to see, um, when other players will come out. I I do think it'll be soon because I I do it just this is a hunch. We don't know anything, but it does seem like the NHL is still pr- pushing and promoting any idea possible. Um, I mean, even Drager today was like, you know, they they're still trying to find any anything possible to get this done. They want to have the playoffs, and they think they could start the next season in November. And they could do both to get the playoffs yeah. and also do that, but it's just not happening. Which is what he, which is what he should be saying. What what commissioner is going to be like? Eh, I don't think it's going to happen. Nobody. Like, of course, the commissioners are going to toe the line because the commissioners, you got to remember, also work for the owners. It is their job to put money in the owners' pockets. So there's, yeah. there isn't a commissioner that exists that's going to be like, yeah, this is a bad idea. We're not going to do this. I think the only one that is, I, honestly, I always look to Adam Silver and basically just want every commissioner to be like Adam Silver. Again, not a big basketball guy. It's just that guy who understands his sport better, it seems like, than Adam Silver. And I think it's very notable that Adam Silver is the one com- – we don't hear about plans for the NBA, right? We only hear, hear about anything. biodome situations for baseball and hockey. And I think part of it is because the NBA understands, like, fuck, dude, this shit ain't happening until testing is available. So why are we even talking about it? Well, they're they're it's at least trying simple. some things. I mean, the horse competition was a gigantic failure. Like I had zero interest in watching. I've never. I will tell you this, Ryan. I've never been more excited for an NFL draft, just to have something to do for two nights. Yeah. When is that again? Is that this week? I think it's next weekend. Okay. No, next weekend. All right. Well, that's good. At least that'll be fun and like something to talk about in the sports world. Not that so I, many wide receivers in this year's draft. It's unbelievable. I'm sure the Jets will take one in the first round. We'll see. Um, no, right now they're supposed to – they're looking at alignment. Off, offensive tackle? Yeah, they're looking at alignment. All right, we'll see what happens with the, the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. But it, it's, it's, it's a situation where I just don't see hockey coming back soon, and that's, that's all right. It sh- it no, but that's the thing. Back. It shouldn't. Nothing should come back until we have testing. Yeah, that's just logical. I mean, that's just what, what should happen. Uh, so that we have to come on this podcast every week. We're going to figure it out. But I just feel like every week I hear the, new, the same story. Like I've stopped – like. For the first two weeks of this, I just read the news all day pretty much. Like I was like trying to get as much information as possible. And for the last like two weeks, I've kind of gone away from that because I feel like there's nothing new to be learned. Like I don't know what I've missed if I didn't read the news the last two weeks. Like I already knew I shouldn't be outside. I should wear a mask, social distance, etc. But I don't know what I've gained in the last two weeks that's like, oh my god, this big revelation about how things are going to change. It's all the same. It's all the same. Yeah. Yeah, and it's 
I don't mean to. I, I know we have some friends that get very excited anytime a news article pops up that has another cockamamie idea for how sports are going to come back, and then I get yelled at for being the guy that just says it's not happening until there's testing. Right. And there's no point of us create. There is no point of creating a plan until there is a testing timeline, because which, which we do your plan have. doesn't mean shit. Your plan means shit if there's no testing timeline. The only thing it, I will it, say is it, it's okay to have multiple plans. If there is a testing, if, if testing is adequate. So having right. those plans but, in place is fine, but pitching right. that to the public the problem, is The bad. problem these leagues are, the, the, the problem with the leagues is they're trying to, they're trying to pin down dates on when these things can happen. Right. And those dates literally mean nothing. Yeah. They just true. mean nothing. And we're at a point now where, let's see, it's been a month since hockey was played, right? Yep. March 11th is the last time the New York Rangers played <laughs> a hockey Bro, game. Bro, that is seven years ago. Right. So just think, even if tomorrow testing miraculously becomes a thing, it'll be at least, at least a three-week training camp to then get ready for games to happen again. So we're, we're at a point now where you're talking about mid-May at the, again, earliest. the miracle earliest. If we started tomorrow. For, if we started tomorrow, because you also have to remember, shit, man, Mika's sitting in Sweden. Yep. You can't even get to the United States right now from Sweden. Yeah. So it's these guys scattered to the wind, which they should have because the league allowed them to go be with their families as they should have. But it, you got to, you got to create a timeline where we're allowing these players to come back. Then you're allowing them to get ready for games. Then you're going to play something to get ready for the playoffs. Like it's, I don't. I, I honestly, I understand why every league is trying to finish out their seasons. I just, I have a problem with people who think it's either it's likely or even feasible. I think we're we're at a point now where it is April thirteenth, dude. We are kidding ourselves if we think that there's going to be playoffs this year. We're kidding ourselves. I just don't think there's a world. Like, I would love it. I would love for it to happen. I'm all about saving next season. At all costs. Yeah. I want, I would, nothing would make me happier at this point. Everything, honestly, I'm getting to a point with baseball where I just want 2021. Like, I, I'm not even worried about finishing baseball at this point. But I think part of that comes from my psychotic behavior as, as an individual, where if, I, if I'm going to a baseball game and I miss first pitch, I don't want to be at the baseball game anymore. I feel like I've that missed the entire shit. game by that missing, is, is. By <laughs> missing the first pitch. So, like, the fact that, I'd rather not have a bastardized 81-game baseball season. I'd rather just be like, well, coronavirus wiped out all of 2020. I guess we'll get back after it in 2021. Poor Mike Trout, man. Another 10 war down the drain. You know, maybe maybe it was in my head early. Because remember during spring training, you were asking me why I wasn't more excited for the baseball season. I couldn't exactly tell you why. And I think part of the reason was all the shit that happened with Beltron. Yep. The Wilpons saying they were going to sell the team and then not selling the team mm-hmm. and how it was just a rough off season to be a Met fan. Period. Like it's not even that the team did anything wrong. It's just somehow the Mets kept getting dragged into all this bullshit and none of us wanted to be there. So then when it came around to spring training, I was basically telling you, I wasn't feeling excited about a Met team that in all honesty was going to challenge for the NL East title. Did my mind just know that 2020 wasn't going to exist and not to get my hopes up that's and why, not to give a shit about that, baseball? That's why I got married. I just knew it wasn't going to happen. 
It's this year. So I just did it early. <laughs> what, what, hey, man, whatever you got to tell yourself. You go, you go for it, Appreciate bro. it. Um, yeah, no, it's it, – you. I, I think you did know you had a sixth sense that it was just one of those years. And by that, I mean It was canceled. weird. Canceled. It was weird. I've never been I, – I was never – every year, even years I thought the Mets were going to be – there was a year, Ryan, mm-hmm. where the Mets didn't even sign a single free agent to a major league contract until the end of January. And I still remember, by the way, that free agent was Sean Markham. Mm-hmm. Really terrible summer or winter for Greg, and which then became a terrible summer because the Mets were awful. But even then, I was still excited for spring training, being happy that baseball was back. And this year, I just felt exhausted by everything. And then this happened, and it felt natural that it happened. Exhausted is it's- like the term of this podcast right now. And it's like I, I don't have another uh, way to describe myself or my feeling. I'm just exhausted for no reason. I have no idea what's going on with my job. Shit is crazy right now. I'm just, I'm locked in the same apartment in a one bedroom in Philadelphia. You know, we're making the best of it. It's just absolute bonkers. Um, and we got to talk Rangers hockey every single week, twice a week. <laughs> Good times. Um, so we're going to actually go to our guest now. Oh, we have a little bit more, huh? We got some more time. All right. Yeah. You want to knock out these five star questions if we have any? Yeah, we got some five stars. Yeah, let's do it. Um, Hey guys, uh, awesome show for th- uh, from Australia. Thanks for like the great hockey insight. Oh, this is from uh, Brian's Brian Z Nine. Thanks for all the great hockey insight and Ranger Ranger news. You guys are awesome. And anybody upset that you guys run a sports podcast um, can crawl back into their basement and give yourself an uppercut. You guys are legends. Praise be. Pretty much because you know we brought people on that were that were Got athlete, it. athletes. How would you how would you give yourself an uppercut? I like the idea of giving yourself an uppercut. It visually I mean, seems like if I'm push, I'm I'm thinking about it in my head. It's like a wide swing, like you're swinging your arm all the way out, and you turn and just uppercut yourself, but like really quickly. Yeah, because the way I think, I think most, I get, I don't know. I I always considered like if you really were trying to punch yourself in the face, there's no other way to do it besides a jab. Like you can't really. Ah, you probably no, can. I maybe think you, you could. could. I think you could kind of do like the the hammer, like you um. Uh, you kind of just like the you know like the arm and hammer box, and you just like but instead it just goes into your head, so it's kind of like you're hitting yourself with your thumb area, sort of. I'm practicing this on myself now. This is where we are. Yeah, uh, this is where we're very normal guys. <laughs> Original MC One asks, "Hey guys, Mike from New Haven again. Hey Mike, what's going on? Hope you're doing okay. Hope the fam's all right. Uh, with the risk of sounding like a WFAN prank caller, am I the only oh one who heavy metal headbangs to the guitar rock intro for the podcast? Um." I don't know. If you do, comment on five-star questions. If you also headbang with Mike, leave an iTunes review. Um, thanks for our, our good friend Dave for the, uh, the intro, by the way. He made it a couple years ago. Uh, also, remember when Chris Crowder was an epidemic? Those were better days. <laughs> That's a good callback for when I said that. Yeah. Remember, not... Oh, my God. Remember how, sim- how simpler were times when we Bro, were thinking the Rangers were going to trade Chris Crowder? I was so stressed up. that day. I was on Twitter. I was walking around. I had anxiety. My pits were sweating. And then, uh, like a week later, none of it mattered at all. <laughs> Just unreal. It, it's it, honestly, it, it it's it's nuts to think about how a month ago, March 11th, I was in Denver for the specific purpose of seeing my sister and going to a Ranger game, which then became the last Ranger game played in the entire season. And then it's even crazier to think a month before that I was in Vegas watching the Astros report to spring training 
and a Vegas Golden Knights uh, New York Islanders game. Insane. Like that was only two months ago. Does that that feels as recent as the first time I went to Vegas as a ten year old? It's insane. I just I have no better way to describe it. And uh, I do I do miss the times where I cared the most about the New York Rangers. And that was the thing that was the most concerning to me was like, what's happening with the season? What's going on with the day to day? Um, and now my priorities have totally shifted. I, I honestly, I miss the days of being stressed about whether or not I'd be able to get home in time to start this podcast with you at seven o'clock. I know it weird, right? I, 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 I would kill for one of those, like just moments where it's like things that just don't really matter. You know what I mean? Like they don't fucking matter at all. <laughs> it was getting done either way. Yeah, um, and I can't. It everything feels like a year ago. Shit, dude. Our po- our interview with Strom and D'Angelo feels like a fucking year ago. It was ago. two weeks ago. That's insane. It was three weeks ago. Was it? Because we recorded. Yeah, we recorded it like uh, a okay. Thursday. Before. Yeah, whatever. Still, it still feels so far away. Um, this next question is from Gun- and final question is from Gunslinger twenty ninety four. Hey guys, you're doing a great job entertaining us despite the lack of hockey. Thank you. You were hired as the NHL commissioner. What is your mark on the league? Like, what's the one thing? Yeah. What's the one thing you want to leave leave on your legacy? I know what my answer I think, is. I think the first thing is, um, I don't know if this is my legacy, but it's the first thing I do. Divisions are gone. There's an Eastern Conference and a Western Conference, and one through eight makes the playoffs. Mine is, That's it. see you later, uh, loser point. We're going to ties. That's well, not just ties. And we've talked about this before. Yep. I'm just, I, I, I'm adopting you. the, yeah, I'm, a, I'm adopting the Premier League points. The three it's point the system. best way to do it. Yeah. Three, three for a win, one for a tie, zero for a loss. That's Boom. it. Boom. And you, you guess, guess what? Overtime will still be, I'll make it 10 minutes of three on three. Yep. And if you can't get a goal after 10 minutes, three on three, here's your point. Here's your one point. That's it. That's it. That's how, I, I do. That's I, the best way those to would be, go forward with this. Yeah, those would be the two things, the immediate two things I do. There's no Metro and Atlantic anymore. There's an Eastern Conference. There's no Pacific and Central anymore. There's a Western Conference. And guess what? Teams one through eight make the playoffs. Just makes no sense. more of this top three in each uh, division despite records. Fuck that noise. The eight best teams from each, each conference get into the playoffs. Makes way more sense. That's it. Let's do a let's do a quick ad, shall we? And then we'll go to our friend. Should uh, we Should we tell the people who are who's actually our guest? I, was, I don't even think we said who. Our I was guest just is. doing that, yeah. And then we'll go to our friend uh, Josh from Evolving Wild, who will be uh, coming on to talk about some contract extensions and uh, the heart and Adam Fox. So we'll go to him now, and then we'll uh, we'll come back and close the show. All right, here we go. Transition. Hey, have you guys heard about the Black Tux? The Black Tux believes every groom deserves a better experience when it comes to finding formal wear, a suit or a tuxedo for their big day. Do you know the Black Tux was actually started by two guys who once had one of the worst tuxedo fittings you could ever imagine? It turns out they weren't alone in this frustration. Just listen to these one-star reviews from a competitor tux shop that shall not be named. Go elsewhere. This place is terrible unless you like dressing like your grandpa for Halloween. We felt weird buying a suit from somebody so unhappy, so we were afraid of his bad vibes might have followed us our wedding day, so we left. Um, if you want your wedding to be remembered for the right reasons, order your tuxedo at theblacktux.com and enjoy 10% off code with code BLUESHIRTS. Or actually, it's RANGERS. I do this every single time. Code RANGERS. That's theblacktux.com with code RANGERS for 10% off your purchase, the Black Tux formal wear for the movement. I did have a Black Tux one from one of my best friend's wedding where I was the best man. And I have to tell you, I was extremely satisfied. Use the code RANGERS. Back to the show. 
Hey, we're back with our first guest of the day. The first time we've ever had only one on, uh, Josh of Evolving Wild. Josh, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. Yeah, it's just it's the it's the debut appearance of of the singular twin, Josh, on uh, on on your show. Yeah, it's uh, strange. For us. Yeah, thanks for having. Me. It's like it's like only getting one of Hull and Oats. I don't know if I was ready for it. <laughs> We've been doing well. It's it's. Oh, I I think that for uh, maybe well. We've been kind of trying to do more just like single appearances because it, it is not that it's a big deal because like if we're both on and we can both we're generally would both be in the same room and we can like look at each other and coordinate who's going to answer which question and whatnot. But I think I've found that even me listening back, it's like I can tell, but I can only imagine for other people it gets confusing which person is talking, which might be a bit uh, um, a bit uh, disorienting. Although it, aren't the is it the who's the famous twins that have a podcast like the celebrities or actors whatever the Sklar I'm get in trouble whatever i say here i'm gonna say i'm not, not saying the, the Sklar the Sklar brothers sound like they would yeah, be the guys it. that have the podcast i don't know why i was immediately gonna go with mary kate and ashley olsen but that's kind of just <laughs> that's just what quarantine's doing to me right now that's where we're at yeah yeah and you guys are in new york both of you uh i'm now in philadelphia the great city and oh, he's in, okay. uh, he's in upstate new york but yes I, I was in new york when the outbreak first happened so it's been a really great time oh wow yes Fun yeah, uh, yeah, I've I've had I know a few people who uh who have like left the uh you know the state of New York or have gone to family or gone in somewhere else. Although the East Coast in general seems like it's kind of uh, New England in general is nor- whatever you want to call it. I'm from Minnesota. I don't really know you know the, the East region. Coast is I've good. Only been, yeah, Northeast tri-state area. Been, yeah, yeah, I've only been on the East Coast. The furthest north I've been, I think, was D.C. So I've never actually been wow. to New York, Boston, like any of the big cities over there what's it like well, knowing if you'll pl- never if see you're it planning, <laughs> yeah if you, josh if you're planning a trip maybe wait maybe <laughs> maybe maybe wait that's my only advice well yeah, well I, no, no no that's that's well i guess i'm not thinking about it this way because i and maybe this would be offensive to some and also maybe maybe correct to some to say that they don't consider buffalo or rochester to be uh east coast but no I don't, those are the, 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 the two places you just said are barely new york dude the athletic doesn't yeah. even think yeah. they're part of new york we're good we're part of the athletic we could say that <laughs> they didn't put any buffalo people on the new as, best new york 100 athletes period but here yeah as as someone that grew up in suburban connecticut went to college in the hudson valley and now lives in upstate new york i promise you buffalo is canada like buffalo is not oh, new yeah. york well yeah so the only time i've been to uh we we've been to the last two rochester conferences um, at RIT. And uh, it is just really funny when I've been there because I, I mean, I kind of knew this when we flew in and when I was, you know, when you're walking around or well, you can't. So here's the thing, like Rochester, it felt like I went to school in Appleton, Wisconsin, which is about 45 minutes north of Milwaukee. Um, and it felt like I was in Appleton, but it was a newer city and the walk, like I couldn't walk anywhere. I like, I, you know, we, we flew in and I had to Uber to my motel. And then I thought, oh, I'll just be able to walk to the no, college because it's a, a college town. But it was like, no, it's like the only place you can get. There's a hotel that's like still a 10 minute walk or whatever to the to the to the school. And I was like, man, and you're just walking like you can't walk there. And it was just really funny to me how different it was than I then. And I knew that it was going to be that way. But it was just still shocking. It felt like I was in Wisconsin, really, more so, yeah. or you know, a, a, more of a suburban, even really far out suburban, you know, Twin Cities areas, which is what I'm used to. So it was just funny. So I don't, in my head, I don't consider 
Rochester, Buffalo, part of the kind of the standard East Coast big cities, but although they're big cities in kind of their own way. A real good yeah, trick my... is when you travel anywhere, well, you know, when travel's allowed again, you just say you're from New York because people have, even if you're from like the sticks, because people think you have this totally different perception of you. Whereas if you say you're from New Jersey, again, the same thing applies. Yeah. yeah. No, my, my general rule is if you could possibly impact, be impacted by lake effect snow, you're not actually in New York. <laughs> and Buff- Buffalo and Rochester firmly fall into those categories. Well, it's funny because I, I think I tweeted this a while ago, but New York is such an interesting state because like, and I was, my tweet was about how big Long Island is, um, gigantic. but it's just it's really it, long. Yeah. It's huge. And it's like funny how big of a state New York is. And most people who aren't from New York or who are, you know, say further West than like maybe Indiana or Illinois who haven't really been out East don't like, it's just, they're completely separate parts you know and i haven't really I've, i haven't been like further east than rochester but there's a whole other big ass state out there it's so it's like i don't know yeah i mean you know and it looks i'm sure it's nice you know i'm sure there's there's cool parts of it or whatever but yeah it's just really interesting so a lot you know a lot of the stuff in the news right now you know my first reaction was you know like oh you're both in new york with this you know pandemic going on or whatever but it's like wow i mean it's mostly new york city i was on long island when big. it happened to be fair <laughs> and that's yeah a- also very very affected and i would, I yeah, would say the, albany is pretty affected too right greg yeah it's the numbers aren't as dramatic as they are downstate but i think a good part of that is mostly due to the fact that we're just not testing up here it they're not yeah. available so it the numbers are lower because the tests in comparison to what they're doing in new york city are mere small percentages so it's but the state look cuomo I have, I've had a lot of issues with him before this all happened. I think he's handling this about as well as you possibly could. There's, yeah, he's made it impossible to do anything in the state, which is how it absolutely should be. So we're, we're doing about as well as we possibly could, all things considered. So now that we've yeah, talked, I mean, oh, it, go on, sorry. I, I was just going to, I was going to just say that we're, we're lucky to be in Minnesota where number one, we're naturally, uh, like to keep to ourselves and stay inside and are very, it was like, la- you know, so I've seen some people laughing about how um, like, this is a couple of years ago, we had the polar vortex come through and it was like two weeks where it was, you know, below zero and Minnesotans are kind of used to every, like at least a week or two a year of not leaving their homes. So it was like kind of funny and, and Minnesota is actually doing pretty well. So we, you know, we're in like Minneapolis, like in a, you know, a very urban area but in general everybody here is doing pretty well so we're lucky and our go- i think governor is doing a really good job so far and like local all the local business i mean it's they're still struggling obviously but it's it's been comforting for us to be in in a in like minneapolis right now but i know other parts of the country are really not you know it's not going well so anyway we do our best to support local business here too we're trying everyone's trying their hardest to you know get by in this situation um, now, but now, yes, that we've, now, now that we've talked about Spanish comedies and uh, local politics and some other things um, in New York and, and the great state of New York, we've brought you to talk about, about what you do best, which is um, your your new frontier of analytics, I would say. And uh, <laughs> two, two, two things that we've uh, or a couple different topics we're going to go over. I guess the first one would be the uh, the we recently had Tony D'Angelo and Ryan Strom on the podcast. Thank you. Nice plug by me. And um, that oh, was, wow. wasn't controversial at all, by the way. Everyone loved it. Um, and, <laughs> and I, I, I have to say, I did not listen, so I don't know if you're being sarcastic or not, but I'm going to choose to assume you're being authentic. Um, I, uh, <laughs> 70, it wasn't personally, I thought it was a really great interview. We got some mixed feedback. There you go. Um, 
um, from all sides. Who cares? Anyway, um, but you your projections have two different sort of contracts that could be had for Ryan Strom and Tony D'Angelo. And the, the Ryan Strom one, to me, when I first saw it, before I spoke to him, was very concerning. And after I spoke to him, I was ready to sign it. So explain to me why why your projection model gives Ryan Strom the contract, I believe, of uh, eight years, 725? 7.25? Yeah, so that was the one that stuck out uh, easily for pretty much everybody who looked at him. Because, you know, the thing with these contract projections, and I was going... So when we, we did them last year, was kind of the first year a way that I was happy enough with because we included terms. So we took some of what Matt Cain did um, previously with his kind of uh, Google Sheet um, projections that got him a lot of coverage before he got um, hired by the Devils. And we took his idea and added that in. And so what that allows is us to um, to better, I think, account for term. And so what people see when they look at these, I mean, well, I guess my first point there was to say that when people look at these, they go to the top 10 or whatever, right? People want to see who you know the biggest free agents what are they going to make or what's the projection for them but in the total of like the you know the entire population we're projecting we have currently like 350 free agents i think right now that are you know a lot of, but the vast majority of those players are um, very low probably projected players who you know maybe one or two year deals rfa ufa doesn't really matter because that's the bulk of projection so it, it's a it's a balance because the people where people go to right away is going to be your top you know probably one percent of the contracts they want to see who are the top 10 or 20 or whatever contracts and so that's what i started looking at the thing with ryan strom though is um it, it it really depends on what his term ends up being right so if we you know right now we have him projected as an eight-year term but that's he's got a six percent chance you know only a six percent chance six uh, percent chance more of signing that deal than signing a five-year deal and so with a five-year deal which i think looks more in line with maybe where some thought was like the, the five-year six six million which i think seemed more palatable to rangers fans or to any to people in general um i think the so the, the other caveat is and and i i given the the it's it's interesting how these are created and and the way that they're the the environment i guess works because um these are set up in a normal environment where you have generally the bulk of all contracts are signed on july 1st or in july for the most part mm -hmm. and that's following a normal season right and so i put we put these out um at we we ran them two or three days after the nhl suspended its season so we're right now we're working with a season that we had to prorate out to essentially the rate at which a player was playing um, in that season. So it's not that big of a deal. Most players that they played the full season would have get, you know, would have probably played the rest of the, um, the 10 or 12 or however many games every team had left to play. So right away, we're, we're already kind of dealing with the kind of more of an estimated full season type thing with Ryan, we, you know, with Strom. So we're assuming that the rate that he, that, that Strom had last season is going to extend for another 10 games or whatever. Um, and I guess the other thing is just, it's, it's, he's right in the kind of the prime age where there are a lot of other players who are 26, 27, um, coming off an RFA deal or whatever, or, you know, signing as an RFA with their team. And generally those who, who put up a lot of points in the most recent year, that's kind of how the model is set up. Um, we, we, I, I don't want to ramble too much. I'm sure you guys have some more questions, but basically just Ryan Strom had a lot of points and he's a tip he's a player that historically has been paid for that kind of production on the prior year coming from his same team. That's basically the bucket he's in. Does right. Know, Ed, Ed, well, before I'm going to cut you off, Ryan. Uh, yeah, that's fine. 
before before we go any further, apologies to our listeners. Uh, you brought up term. My mind immediately goes to Pavel Buchnevich. We haven't forgiven you. We're still working through <laughs> some things there. Anyway, uh, that that's one thing I wanted to talk to you about, Strom, because I think the thing to keep most in mind when it comes to your contract projections with any of these players is the numbers don't give a shit what the name is. Like the model doesn't account for Ryan Strom. The model is pretty much accounting for here's a 27 year old center who's coming off what's going to be, what should have been probably a 60 point season entering the final year of restricted free agency, who also has a pedigree of scoring points while not at this rate, still a successful enough rate where the model sees a prime player due for an extension. And if his name was something other than Ryan Strom, like if his name was Mika Zibanejad, all of us would think, yeah, that makes perfect sense. It's just the fact that we personally understand what kind of player Ryan Strom is and understand maybe the situations a little bit better where, yeah, if it was a 27 year old center or a 60 point center, I don't think eight years by seven is that crazy. But it's just that I, I think you ask any Ranger fan and entering the season, all of us probably would have just said if they want to pay him another year, go for it. And then as the season progressed, I still don't think there's a single Ranger fan that really wants to go beyond four years with Stroh. And I personally would find it ridiculous if the team did. Yeah. And, and so that's the, I, I think that is the thing that is, it's hard to, um, to, to make clear is that the model is you could basically you could just essentially tr- uh, say we're removing any any aspects that we can't account for in a numerical or debt da- you know data way that isn't involved now there are some things that can get that that kind of get accounted for like we include certain certain features like time and ice percentage um there the, the, so the i guess the thing that is it, it's really so i guess my my main point is there are some things that we're able to account for that could potentially give an idea about what kind of player that is right um and that's kind of what the model is looking at it's looking at what happened in the past what kind of money were these players paid what were their term what was their you know cap hit or their their cap percentage and then it's going to say okay well this player is the closest to that player but no, the model is not the, the the numbers are are completely just removed of context if you will in terms of who this player is and even i think that one of the things that's maybe it's it 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 could be important is like you know is is um and we tried to include it this year is if a player is signing with their same team or if they're signing with another team but there are also other things that we can't account for like for instance like what market are they signing in like the rangers are are a much bigger market team than say the coyotes or the panthers or something or you know and then there's also the whole thing with like the Florida, you know, the Florida teams and the tax rates and all that stuff. But the the thing that's really important is when you look at this, the the there are like four or five factors that are extremely significant into uh, in, in projecting what we would expect a player to play uh, to get paid. And for the most part, it's points, it's time on ice, it's games played. Um, there are a few other things that kind of can come into effect like sometimes hits for a forward or penalties for a forward also have a kind of a a, a non-marginal effect but for the most part that's how players are paid and i think that it's more of a reflection that's kind of what's you know allowed in arbitration and what just given the data we have um what we can include and so with strom it's it the model doesn't know who that player is it just knows what what that line in the table you know what the numbers are 
Um, and so that's what the model is. We, we try to remove any kind of bias or anything that would essentially like uh, that, that would be our own personal, you know, sometimes you have to make your own modeling decisions, but for the most part, this is just a, uh, a very neutral way of, of trying to best project what we think that player um, is going to make. Well, I, you, I think you might have covered that, that there. You went through a lot of different sections of how your analysis actually covers uh, what players will actually make. But did, did they? Did you take into consideration that Brian Strom plays with Artemi Panarin? Because that's the real question everyone wants to know. Yeah, and and I think that the so the the the, the short answer is no. Um, the model does not take into account teammates, uh, and there's a lot a lot of reasons why that is, um, and. But for the most part, it's I think that it's not a controversial thing to say that GMs don't really or haven't historically cared about that. Hmm. Like that's not something that historically, like if a player plays with a good player and gets a lot of points, it GMs still pay the pay those players. Um, and I, I think that's kind of a um I, what we're going to see. And I, I think it is maybe a there's a scenario where that will become something, you know, that's something that will potentially dock some money uh, off of what maybe Strom gets paid uh, is the fact that he did pay with uh, play with Panarin. And I think that we've seen probably other instances of that, but it's not, on, it's not, I don't think it's an uncommon thing where a player played with a good player, another player, and then put up a lot of points as well. And then a GM, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to be, well, not all GMs pay what they should. I'll just say that. <laughs> um, I guess that. I, think, I okay. think that's fair. Go on, Gregory. Well, I, I was just saying I think that's fair. I guess to put a bow on Strom, Josh, is to ask you point blank. I understand that the model itself, it's what, a 60% chance that he signs a contract for a length that isn't eight years, and that's one way to think about how the model projects yeah. it. Do do it's, Where would – if you – were a GM in this league and even a guy who might not follow the Rangers as closely as we do, but as we'll get into later, I know you're a big Adam Fox and Artemi Panarin guy is where's your comfort level with what you would do with Ryan Strom. I mean, Strom is a really interesting player. Um, I, I, I personally, I mean, it's well known that I, that both Luke and I are big fans of defense, right? Uh, and Strom has never been a particularly strong defensive player. Um, this and, season, he wasn't. Yeah, you know, we, we can. We can. Uh, he's him. always. <laughs> and you know, I think that he there. There's again. I don't watch the Rangers a lot, um, which is basically like maybe the the two games or whatever they play the Wild <laughs> year. But uh, like, I don't. So I don't have a lot of context. But I think that for Strom, um, he is. A, he had a very good offensive year this this past year. And I think that isn't, you know, uh, that, that it seems to me like the thing I think that is, I, I guess to stop, I'm, I'm sorry if I keep uh, stopping my, uh, my answers here, but it, it's something that it's like, if you think that you can, if, if Strom and Panarin work well together and it's, it's something that they have good chemistry and it's something that you think they could continue for the next couple of years. Like I, I, and uh, offensively i think that it like that's a really good deal you know thing for the rangers to keep around because you kind of need that offense and you can probably um you know shore up some of the defensive sides with i mean both panarin but also the fact that you you can identify that maybe that weakness with strom and either work on it a little bit uh or 
just basically say, you know what, we know that we're going to maybe uh, give up some stuff when Strom's on the ice, but we currently think that going forward for the next couple of years that he's going to add more offensively um, and make up for it. So I, I guess I, I don't, it's hard for me to gauge exactly what I would do. Um, I think the five-year deal makes a lot more sense um, for the Rangers specifically. I think a five-year, $6 million deal is seems like that doesn't seem too bad to me. But I also think that if it, it kind of depends more on what the, like what the Rangers long-term plan is and where they see themselves saying after three years, because the real value you're going to get from him given his age right now is probably the first three years of that contract. So then are you okay um, basically if he maybe kind of falls off a little bit or becomes kind of not the top line player that he was last year in say year three or four or five of that contract, I, where are the Rangers there? I think that's maybe a bigger consideration that I don't know right now. I, think- I just, I have, a, I can't wrap my mind around Ryan Strom signing a five-year deal. With the New York <laughs> Rangers. Also, Josh, I guess we should also apologize. Hey, sorry. We got Bruce Boudreaux fired. Yeah, my bad. Oh yeah. Was that, man, so the the other thing I was going to say before this started is that once hockey stopped, I was just like, because for us, it was kind of funny is that, you know, maintaining the website, we had all these plans ready to go for this offseason to work on stuff and to just get stuff updated, but the season never ended. And so we spent like three or four weeks kind of just waiting around to see what was going to happen with the news, because if we just started working on models or on stuff for next season, and then they just up and finished the season and started playoffs, we probably would have had to redo a lot of stuff. So I'm kind of like fully removed from what happened last season <laughs> a little bit. So like, I don't even really remember that Boudreaux was that, did he get fired after he played, after he played the Rangers? Yeah. It went to a shootout and. Oh, the Rangers... that's, right. that's right. Yeah. Oh man. It didn't. I think use Zook at all. I think this, yeah, yep, that was, I completely, now I vividly remember that game. I think I maybe blocked that out of my memory a little bit. because I, 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 I think that it, it was, I, 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 I was kind of like, it seemed like whenever a new GM gets brought in, you kind of just already in the back of your head are like expecting if they kept the current coach, that that coach eventually is going to get fired. So I always kind of knew that Bruce was probably, you know, his contract was up at the end of this year. Um, you know, they probably were, it's a new GM. Uh, he probably has uh, his own guy that he wants to bring in all that stuff. So I, I didn't really hold it against the Rangers. Also, it's, it would be ridiculous to say the Rangers, you know, fight, got Rujo fired after a shootout, right? Like that's, <laughs> that's not, uh, but I don't know, maybe the fact he didn't put, uh, 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 you know, Zuccarello. I mean, it, did, it didn't hurt, you know, I mean, or it did hurt rather yeah. in this case. So, so what are the other reasons we, we did bring you on, <laughs> so Josh? I, oh, sorry. Oh, I was going to ask you because you said you had Strom and D'Angelo on. Mm-hmm. Was did you talk contracts? I'm sorry, I didn't listen to the podcast. Oh no, no, we did. We did talk Tony, contracts. Tony's basically Strom's agent. Yeah, big time. Yeah, he was like, <laughs> he was like, you don't understand the the true value that Strom brings to this team. You know, we we asked him like what what was it like playing for contracts, and they were like, you know, we'd be lying if it's if we said uh, we don't think about it because we do. And I, I know, yeah. I know for a fact that Tony like jokes around the locker room and, and we'll, we'll say things like they're going to lowball me this contract and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so it did Strom, Strom like his, uh, our projection for him. <laughs> we, we didn't ask him about the projection, but I'm sure I would, he would tell you to your face. He loves it. <laughs> He's a, uh, well, so go on. I, I was, I'm sorry to interrupt, but the, the other thing I think that it, and it, I don't want to get too technical or ramble too much because i've already done enough of that but 
Uh, the, the thing with these projections is that it's for various reasons. It's very hard to properly or accurately project your really high-end player contracts like this because you're already dealing with a very small population of the data. And there's something called heteroscedasticity. Yes, I believe I said course. that right. Yeah. I, uh -huh. yeah, of course. That is very prevalent. Um, it's it's And so what the issue is, is that because we have a lot of lower contracts that are one or two-year contracts that are low, um, given the way that the model or the algorithm works, is it tends to weight it's when when you're when you're creating the model or the algorithm, you're essentially trying to uh, um, like to tune based on an error of your of, of your estimate. So when you do it, all this stuff, right, you 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 gauge, OK, we're testing this. Here's a projection. How far away was it from the actual one? And then you're going to basically tune the model will kind of fine tune the parameters to, to better optimize that estimate so that your best you know, you're, you're lowering that that error. So you're not as far away. And so because you have all of these contracts, like 50% or 60% of the contracts, you can, the model can do a really, really good job with players who are only going to sign one or two years. And so it's going to generally, because you use models that, because uh, we're dealing with kind of a standard distribution or the normal distribution, like a linear model does a better job, but the, the curve of your actual payment is not linear. It, it, it kind of almost pops up exponentially towards the higher end contracts. And so my point here is that last year we kind of were a little bit under on most of our high-end contracts, not a lot. And the model did a really good job, but I think that this is an indication right now that we have a couple players here. I think Strom is one. Uh, I think Barry is Tyson Barry is another one. Um, and pro maybe um, oh, there was like one or two other player, like players who were people were like, no way that that player is getting paid that much money. Uh, this year and I think that is more for me anyway is more an indication that maybe the model is a little better calibrated because ultimately you should be missing high and low equally on these high-end contracts as opposed to missing only high or only low and so the fact that we're probably a little high on Strom and Barry I think to me is an indication that the model is better calibrated and it's more in line in the overall trends overall but that's just my hunch right now we'll see what happens and I think the pandemic is going to make things and especially with escrow and potentially the cap lowering like that could completely like, you know, mess up our projections. And I wouldn't, we, there's no way that we could deal with that. <laughs> Got it. Uh, well, a lot of your projections actually are very favorable to the things we believe here on this podcast, which is that our, our team of Panarin is uh, the front runner for the heart uh, trophy. And then also that Adam Fox had a tremendous year uh, and could be considered for the uh, rookie of the year award. Um, which I just, I don't know why I just blanked on. I'm feeling actually quite sick right now, the, but I'm powering the, through. Calder. The Calder. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, there you Calder. go, Chief. Sorry, I have a, there I you go. Know. I'll feel very strange all of a sudden. But uh, tell me why your models um, <laughs> are, are are doing very well for Artemi Panarin, or rather favoring him. Yeah, I mean, Panarin's just a fantastic player. I mean, there's really Preach. not any, you know, any other way to say it. I, I think he just, on top of that, he also just had just a ridiculous year. And he just did everything well. He didn't have a, um, he didn't really have, uh, from what I can see a down month or a down week, even it seemed like he was just a, such a consistent player. Uh, he, and that's, I, I think one of the, you know, so we on our site evolvinghockey.com, um, we, we have a couple different player valuation models. Uh, I'm sure some of you've seen, uh, if you follow us or I don't know anything close to what we follow, we kicked up quite a storm with some of our takes on, uh, Leon Dreisaitl, um and just a few, just a few. and a few other things just a few uh I, I i wouldn't blame you actually it's probably better if you haven't heard about any of this but um 
Uh, and so, yeah, we have a couple of player evaluation models that we that we use, and that kind of is a, a way for us to um, to to from in our opinion, or I guess objectively, uh, better measure how a player plays or, or performed. And so Panarin just this year was he added a lot of stuff, you know, a lot of value in offense. He was, uh, uh, you know, not he was he was not incredible defensively, but he was also like above average, which is good for a player who's extremely good offensively. His power play was great. I uh, didn't really play shorthanded, so he didn't suffer there. <laughs> Some it's kind of a uh, iffy area for us a little bit, but and then his penalty numbers were also really good. And I mean, he just did it better than pretty much any other player. I mean, there's, I, I think it would be I I I I have to put a caveat that he within our models he there are a few other players that I wouldn't you know like our top five or maybe top maybe top ten, but top five players I I. You know, like I think Petters, Elias Pettersson um, was a player that was extremely good this year. Uh, you know, Petrangelo. There are a couple other players that are probably in that same range, but I think uh, that Panarin overall, from what we were looking at, is just uh, I think had the best season um, for. You know, that's that's kind of what we choose for Hart is you know the player who was the best. Yeah, you know that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> uh, the one <laughs> the one that we wanted to boost up the most because it was most in line with what we were saying. Look, it, it was a special year for rookie defensemen, right? Like, it's not to yep. discredit anything McCarr or Quinn Hughes did. It just always felt like for some reason, because Adam Fox wasn't scoring at the rate those guys were, that people were almost taking what he was doing for granted. And he's a 21-year-old kid who came in and basically became a number one defenseman from day one. Yeah. And again, like you said about Panarin, Adam Fox never had a bad month. So you, why don't you... Make us both feel good in this time where hockey has been stolen away from us about just how special you thought Adam Fox was playing this. Well, I didn't I already just do that with Perrin? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, do um, it again. I, That's all we have all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like, and it was kind of funny. I think that, like, for us as wild fans, and I, you know, I, I believe it or not, I don't watch like as much hockey as maybe some people think we do, or well, maybe some people think we don't watch any hockey. We watch pretty much every wild game, and I tune into some other games randomly if there's something going on or I'm interested in it. Um, and but like Adam Fox is a player I had kind of heard about on the periphery, but I didn't really know him. I didn't know much about him, and then all of a sudden, early on, it was you know we like McCarr and Hughes were early on were just killing it they were doing really really well as well but we kept seeing a couple of these rookies but especially adam fox is popping up there and i remember talking to lucas like you know this adam fox he's like yeah i think i've heard of him like i didn't really know much about him and and so and then we just kept kind of seeing him in the mix with you know with mccarr and hughes and it was just like you said it was kind of a testament to just like how good the rookie goal like defensemen were this year um and and then i mean just he kept he kept just like just like kind of the same thing with panarin was just uh, like was just really, really consistent. And I think one of the things that drove his value this year was his defense was so good when he was on the ice um, is that he just, he just had really solid defensive numbers. And it was kind of funny because like not even Calder. I mean, he's probably from what we were seeing. Uh, I mean, you could, you could look at his, one of a, one of our models is a RAPM or a RAPM um, uh, regression. Some charts kind of float around um, on Twitter and he just, his, his RAPM chart looks ridiculous. And, like he he's it's not just Calder. Like I think he's maybe in the in the Norris consideration. I mean it's he's outside of the top five, but 
I would definitely say he had a top 10 defensive season for any defenseman in the league this year. Um, and it was, it really almost all of it came from his defensive, his, his even strength play was that he was just a really, really good defensive or uh, like even strength defenseman. Um, I don't even know. Did he start on the top pair? Was he on, did he kind of move around or was it, uh, he, was it, he started, they, the Rangers started him on the bottom pair with Lieber Hayek who had historically okay. one of the worst defensive seasons anyone has ever seen. And then he didn't even he started at about the halfway point of the season. It just got to a point where I think David Quinn realized that it didn't matter who Adam Fox was playing with. Adam Fox just needed to be on the ice the most. But yeah, I mean, Ryan Lindgren, I'm not saying he's a bad defenseman. He's just not a guy who should also be seeing top pairing minutes. And yet he got them because the Rangers understood that we have to keep Adam Fox on the ice. Yeah. And, and it just, and that was the other thing is that he played, I think, what was it? 70 games this year. Um, which I, it's just like it like that. And that's the other thing I think that when we talk about value, I'm generally talking about, I'm also taking into account like playing time. Cause I think that that's a important way. And that's kind of one of the reasons why we use war models or the war structure that's kind of comes from baseball is that when you're talking about actual value, if you're hurt or if, you know, you can't you you're you're limiting the amount of value you can add to your team so that's i think that's another important thing to say is that he also um you know like compared to like for instance dougie hamilton had a really really good season this year and we have him kind of around the same in terms of value but hamilton played like 13 games uh or no like uh i mean what would like 23 games less than a fox so it, it's kind of like which is more to say that Dougie Hamilton had an incredible season, but Adam Fox also like, that's the kind of player that you, you know, that's like what Ryan Suter used to do in terms of value is just, or, you know, Drew Doughty before the last two years or whatever, was just play a lot of minutes and maybe, you know, or Chara, these players who are just consistently top pair defensemen who maybe aren't, you know, playing at a level that maybe Dougie Hamilton does at his rate version, but are just consistently good and don't, and are just kind of there, um, and like, I, I just think that that kind of player is really, really valuable. It's kind of the same thing with, although Spurgeon's had a little bit more injury issues, but Spurgeon's kind of the same kind of, kind of, kind of deal. We're just a really solid top pair of defense. I mean, I think that, yeah. Cause what was he, was he like second round, third round Fox? I think he was a third round pick originally by the flames. And then, right. yeah, he got, he got traded twice once in the Dougie. He actually got traded with Dougie Hamilton to Carolina, which is crazy to think about. Yeah. And then, yeah. like, imagine for a second Dougie Hamilton and Adam Fox actually playing on the same team. We fucking know. Yeah. Well, and, and I don't know. I I, I guess I was going to ask you guys, do you, do you, was Adam, was he supposed to be this good? Like, did he no. have no, something? No. Okay. No, the, he was, he was, I mean, it's, it's crazy to think about the trade itself. The Rangers sent two second round picks to the Hurricanes to get Adam Fox. And the second pick, was contingent on Fox playing 30 games with the Rangers this season. And I, th- I think all of us expected Fox to break camp with the Rangers, but none of us would have been surprised to see Fox go down to Hartford at some point because they did it with Heedle. Yeah. I mean, they did it with Leas Anderson. Kravtsov didn't even break camp with the Rangers. Like, the Rangers have always treated their top prospects with kid gloves. But yeah. from day one, there was like, oh, Adam Fox is not going anywhere. This guy's gonna play top minutes for us. Yeah, and I, I think that's one of the funny things that happens with like just defensemen more than forwards, I think, is that they're the I mean, I'm not saying third round. I think he I'm just I was just looking as he was what, sixty-sixth overall or something. So it's it's not like he was a 
you know, a super late third rounder or whatever. I mean, it seemed like he was probably on the, like on the margin of being potential, you know, potential NHL player. Um, but you just see this with some, with, with defensemen who maybe don't get uh, um, proper. I don't want to say, I'm not trying to criticize any scouts or whatever, but it just seems like it happens more often, like how a player like, like, you know, Giordano can go undrafted or, you know, whatever, like that, that seems to happen where this player kind of block for whatever reason, maybe they work in, you know, with their, you know, the lower level minor league or junior development or coaches or whatever in spring, tra- you know, or it's not spring training. <laughs> I'm, I'm missing baseball. We're right all, now. We all are. I mean, the thing with Fox though, is, is, is the fact that his hockey IQ is just absolutely off the charts. And that's something you really can't scout. Like he's not a huge kid. Um, he's got, yeah. he's, he's got, good skills he's you know hard worker but he's not like a freak athlete um so when you when you scout him like in that way you don't it's hard to scout the hockey knowledge but then when he went on to do what he did at harvard and then obviously what he did with the rangers shows how talented he really is yeah totally and i i the only thing i i worry about is that it it seems like he's kind of in that there are every so often you get a player like fox um like brodine kind of comes to mind where their rookie season or their you know, their first season in the league, they were just really, really good on the top pair. And then maybe they struggle in their sophomore year. Um, I don't really know. Like, I'm not saying that's going to happen. I don't have any insight or any way to project that that would be the thing that's going to happen. But um, I, I, it seems like we could probably expect him to come back down to earth, especially given his goal, like the goals uh, that were scored when he was on. But I mean, the other thing is that like warning signs with these kind of players early on is that they don't, um, that they're, you know, th- that they're all of their, uh, value is being propped up by their offensive side of the game, which is kind of can be more fleeting. But Fox's defensive numbers are really good this year too. So um, I guess I, I I don't really have much more to say. I I've, I've uh, I can't help but notice that you're also glossing over uh, you know some of the other players on the Rangers who had uh, maybe not as who had notable who? seasons were not as good. Who? Capo? <laughs> what? <laughs> You're talking about my my dear Lord and Savior uh, himself? What? I, I know. I'm. 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 We don't need to talk about it. It's actually. I. I was kind of. Uh, I was. It was. Even though we would sometimes tweet about it, it was did not make me happy to see that our models really didn't like. Uh, Listen, you're not the only model that did that, by the way. Um, uh, Sean, Sean Tierney's models are very much not a fan of Mr. Yeah. Mr. Capococco. Um, I, I will say the eye test, which doesn't maybe matter as much as it used to, um, but still in my heart holds a place uh, towards as the season ramped up and after the All-Star break, I, I felt like he really sort of found his game. And I'm hoping that if the season does come back next season, which I'm hoping it does, um, we'll see a brand new rejuvenated Capococco, um, who had his moments, yeah. but really uh, got slaughtered by some models for for some pretty obvious reasons, which is understandable. Well, and that's that's the thing. I it, it seemed like it seemed odd that he was still even talking or, or hearing some Rangers fans talk about it. Was it seemed odd that he just played the whole season in the NHL? He seemed like a good candidate to get some time and you know um, in the HL and just work through some stuff because i mean sure models can't capture everything obviously but like from what i had heard from most rangers and just asking kind of just because our you know a little bit of it is like we gotta i'm not able to watch all games of every player so if something stands out like you know like capo did this year which he really did from our stuff i mean I I haven't seen a season that's quite as bad as his season was this year, to be honest. In some of our honest, like I'd have to really go dig to find someone who's better or who was worse. And and that I was like, well, is this a fluke? Like, what the hell is going on with this? But it it did kind of seem like it he seemed like a good candidate that you just could have sent him down earlier. I, I think I think it's interesting they kept him in this in the NHL the whole season. It's crazy because yeah. uh, sorry, I'm gonna cut you off on this one, Gregory. Because I'm you know, this Do it. this is my dude. 
It's crazy because <laughs> when, when you watch him play, the one thing that really lacks that's obvious is his speed to the puck. But and he yeah. was and he's also like he's overthinking everything because when he played yeah. across seas, he was dominant and he could no one could take him off the puck. Okay, now everyone's gigantic and fast. And they can do that. So he's overthinking all these plays and he can't get to the pucks in the corners like he used to. But there are like all these moments where he has these brilliant flash like, oh, cock, like this is the Kako that we thought we were going to get. But it only lasts like six to 12 seconds of like the 15 minutes he's playing. He'll have like these little spurts, yeah. but that's it. So the models really show like how terrible he was on defense. And that was true. Like he was not great playing defense. Um, and a lot of that became, I think, was because of his speed and conditioning. So I'm hoping, and I'm I'm praying even that uh, those things will those th- thank you those things will change uh, in the off season. Yeah, and it it seems like a really like I I, I remember this kind of happening with uh um like with Nino on New York right like Nino when he first played with the with the Islanders in eleven twelve he had just an abysmal year and uh, he was I uh, I mean I I mean, I'm blanking on what his his overall draft. Um, where he went, I want to say he was I like think, top. Yeah, yeah I think overall. he went. I think he went fifth. Yeah, yeah. And so it, it's a similar situation where in, in the with the Islanders, and that's what the you know because we used to have a funny thing with Islanders fans where you know because Nino was just an absolute beast on the Wild for like three or four years in there when when that Wild team was really good and he was like my favorite player and so the Islanders fans were just like really funny about it because they were just like oh you got to be kidding like they had to you know like hear about Nino all the time even though he was just awful. On the Islanders, and he was terrible on the Islanders the first, like, year or two that they had him. And it kind of made sense. Like, you know, so that's what happens with these rookies. I think it's the same thing with Fox, but the flip side, kind of why I brought up Capo is that it's like it seems very likely, given how highly touted he was and what his scouting report was like and what he looked like when he, you know, played elsewhere, like that he's the perfect kind of candidate that, I mean, you, you let, let's just put it this way. You can't be as bad as he was this year again next season. Like, that's just not going to happen. Which is great so, news. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, so Ryan, you can be uh, assured. You heard it here. Stamp with approval from the Evolving Wilds. Wow. Is, I guarantee you that Capo is going to have a better year next year. Thank but you. It, you you bring, bring it up Fox and Capo, 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 whatever. It, <laughs> the, the Lord and Savior. Bringing them up at the same time. Uh, it, it's kind of apropos because, look. If Kako went to Harvard for three years and then got to come to the NHL, I'm not saying he'd be Adam Fox, but he probably wouldn't have been an 18-year-old child trying to play against Patrice Bergeron once every couple months. Yeah. Well, and I think that's what you see. With, like, it's not uncommon for players. I mean, he's super young, right? He just turned – well, I mean, only a couple months ago, just turned February, 19. February, so, yeah, he turned 19. Well, yeah. So that's, I think, one of the things I was questioning, like, that around when he turned 19. I was like, Jesus, he's only, he was he was 18 for most of the season, yeah, honestly. So it's like, I don't know. I'm not, into, I, again, not tuned in with the Rangers. I don't know what their deal is in terms of how they deal with prospects and, and rookies. But it just seemed like they, it'll be interesting to see what he does in the offseason. And I, I wouldn't be surprised given how much talent he, he seems to have, like him turning around fairly quickly. But you see it with players, and it, it, it it's kind of odd. It, people Hockey is random and it moves a lot in between seasons and even between games. So you can never really, you know, you never really know. Josh, thanks so much for coming. Any other questions, Greg, for like Josh, you go. I, I have, I have two. Okay. Sure. One, if you're going to trade Jason Zucker, did you fucking have to trade him to the Penguins? What the fuck, man? <laughs> what, what, what the absolute, what the absolute fuck was that? Why? <laughs> 
Uh, yeah. Uh, you, you, we actually got some, some backlash from some of the other stats people. Cause it was like people, a lot of people thought that trade was like, like not bad. I mean, and to be clear, like I understand, I think that it was, I definitely have a certain bias for Zucker. I think that he, um, so I guess to answer your question uh, upright, or I, I guess outright, I, I don't, uh, I, I don't have any control over that. You guys are gonna have to deal with the Penguins. You have to deal with Zucker, although he's old. He's getting older, so. But he's the kind of player that I think is always going to be undervalued. Uh, part of it was because of the market he played, and now he's got you know Crosby, so maybe he'll kind of I don't know. I I don't. He, it seemed like he maybe struggled a little bit to transition in Pittsburgh, um, from what I had seen a little bit and heard, um, and what our model said. But it was like I don't know how many games he played with them, like maybe fifteen or twenty. I can't even remember. So yeah zucker is still a really really good player but he is definitely getting on the older side of uh, you know of well i think he's 28 now or 29 almost so i don't know you never you, you never really know yeah so that that's my answer is you're gonna have to deal with it yeah the the package wasn't bad i'm not a big addison guy but i think a top defense a top prospect and a first round pick made sense well, the, the other thing is like i i don't know and i've i'll be the first to admit there are two things that i'm not when it comes to hockey I'm not a prospects person. And I'm not a goalie person. So I will never claim to know anything about prospects in terms of people, especially people who aren't in the NHL or, or skaters or goalies in the NHL. But the wild, the last thing they need right now is like defensive defenseman prospects. Like they are not lacking. They like, they have Suter, Spurgeon, Brodeen, Dumba. And then they had Susie come out of nowhere this year. who's really good. They have, you know, like Belpedia, they have a whole bunch of other defensive pro, defenseman prospects. And I, so I don't really understand why that's the guy that they need. And I, I can understand, like, maybe if they think he'll, you know, maybe, uh, you know, jump ahead a couple spots in the depth chart over some of their other prospects, that's fine. But, like, you really should be going after centers and forwards for the Wild right now. And sure, the pick's fine. I understood the move. I get why they did it. Um, I I just, I, I don't know. I, I, I just think that Zucker is the kind of player that you're never going to get full value for because he doesn't, you know, he's not properly valued. But I think the package after kind of my uh, – I don't know, my initial knee-jerk reaction um, kind of uh, cleared, and I was able to think about it a little clear, more clearly. I, I, I understood the move. I, I'll just say that. And then that goes well into my last question. How nervous are you that one of Brodeen or Spurgeon is going to get traded this offseason? Uh, I, I, I'm not nervous. I don't think they're going to trade Spurgeon because they just signed him to a pretty big deal. And the only reason that you trade Spurgeon is um, – be well – I, the only reason you trade Spurgeon is if you have a team that has a really good, like top two center, probably that you're willing to, or, or yeah. Like I, I think one of the, one of the um, ones that I think was kind of somewhat um, was floated. I, I think it was never really a possibility, um, but is like William Nylander with the, with the Leafs. Cause I think that uh, like Toronto really does could, I think Toronto and Minnesota could be a pretty good trade partner uh, or trade like, you know, uh, Tanner because they, they, the Wild have a lot of good D, so Brodeen and Spurgeon would both be probably the best. I mean, easily Spurgeon. Brodeen is probably the best, would be the best Leafs defenseman if he was on the Leafs. And the, and the Leafs seem to have, you know, they have a lot of good forwards, and that's what the Wild need. And so I think that's kind of where the, the strength in the Wild is. Um, I don't see Spurgeon being traded. I would be bummed if they trade Spurgeon because he's now my favorite player, and he always kind of has been my favorite player on the team. And he's just a really – I mean, he's just so good. And the only, the only thing, the downside is that he's 30 now – um, he does have some injury history, so I could see them going. That would be the only time. I think Brodeen seems a lot more likely to me. Uh, I, I still think that there's a possibility that one of Brodeen or Dumba actually gets traded this offseason. 
Um, because to be honest, the wild, they just don't have like Eric Stahl is aging out. Koivu is now was playing four fine towards the end of the year. And I, I, I think that you give Eric Sinek more time in the center role, but for the most part, like the wild, they still don't have a top, you know, top, really top nine, like, or top, top, like top six center, and Kaprizov's coming over next year. All reports are I've been reading is that he would come over now if the season was going on. So there's there's a lot of need there for forwards. So that I, I think the only reason they're going to trade Spurgeon is if they think they can get a really really good center. Um, and then I think that they uh, are not down from that really really good center. If they can get like a a good center, I th- I think they'll probably consider trading uh, Brodeen or Dumba. Otherwise, I think Brodeen for for picks and prospects also makes a lot of sense to me because they kind of that's where they're going and they need to kind of retool for the next two or three years I think but uh yeah I, I'm I wouldn't at this point I I've I've said this before but Luke and I having worked with all of the stats that we do and just kind of spending obsessive amounts of time working on this is that my wild fandom has actually kind of like gone away a little bit also from kind of what happened with Fenton and just kind of watching the team fall apart it doesn't really make you want to cheer for them very much, you know? <laughs> yep. So I, I've, I've lost a little bit of, of that drive, that fire that burns within for the wild fandom a little bit, although I still am very much a wild fan at heart. So I, I wouldn't necessarily be uh, too, uh, I, I guess, too completely stunned, but I, a Spurgeon trade would be shocking if they didn't get something really, really good for it. Got it. So Jared Spurgeon for Ryan Strom, confirmed. Happy to, happy to happy to talk you through that one. Oh, deal done. Sounds deal great. Done. Oh, we God. uh we root for James Dolan and James Dolan exclusively. So that's where we're at. <laughs> Josh, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate you taking the time during uh, this. I'm sure you're so busy. Um, and you know, we've got a lot going on. I think you actually might. Yeah. That was a joke, but you probably do. So never mind. Well, well, I my currently we are like I said earlier is that we're not like. We, we have we've kind of just been waiting to see what's going to happen and yep. the, the luke's been doing a lot of stuff like we've you know been making some updates to the site we had it like kind of a long to-do list of like minor changes and formatting stuff and some kind of user requests like you know we just added something that you could group by just the team regardless of what seasons they played so if for traded players like for nino for instance you could look at all of his his stats for the islanders all of his stats for uh, the wild and then all of his stats um, for the Canes, which wasn't possible, but some of those small stuff. But I, the other funny thing was I was working on goalie projections and I kind of just said, ah, oh, fuck it. I don't, well, well, Josh, Josh, like you, I am completely and utterly gutted that we are not getting to enjoy Mitch Garver right now. So. Yeah. 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 I mean, and uh, man, this, this, uh, not wild, this twins team was, I was really looking forward to the twins this year. Like they were, such a fun team last year and it's yeah I, I it's just a bummer and i i like yeah i mean i'm hoping that they're gonna maybe do, i don't know we're gonna have we're gonna have korean baseball before we have you know mlb Absolutely. like way way so maybe i'll just become a, a korean baseball fan and that'll kind of uh you know kind of you know lead me you know soothe me over while we wait but honestly yeah, it's, us, it's too. Kind of us too what us too that might happen oh, to yeah. us yes yeah it's looking a little dire for the future of uh, any sport for the next, like, at least six months, which is kind of a kind of puts things in perspective about how much you, uh, you know, how much time you're able to spend just watching sports and following along. It's pretty much my life. Uh, Josh, thanks so much for coming on. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll probably have you on again in the next six months. So be good, man. Treat. Yeah, absolutely. You guys take care. We'll, uh, we'll talk. We'll talk to you next time. Awesome. Thanks so much, Josh. Thanks, Josh. Transition. Gregory, what a great interview that we just did. Tremendous guy. 
A lot of great insight. Yeah. You said a lot of things that I agreed with and other things that I don't agree with. I know. Especially that one part. I thought that was particularly interesting. Um, I I know exactly what you're talking about. And yes. I want to thank everyone for listening today. Seriously. Thank you for taking the time if you are listening to this. I know there are a few of you that have reached out and said that you, uh, we help make your week brighter. Some of that stuff still is so fucking wild to me. I love you all. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at OHRyanMead, OHRyanMead, and you can follow Greg at Blue Shirts Break. Very easy. I don't know what we're tweeting about these days, um, but hopefully we'll have uh, some fun stuff coming in the future. I'm really excited to do the 1994 rewatch with Greg. We're going to figure that out soon. We'll go from there. Love all of you. Thank you all for supporting us, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working... The HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.